0: Welcome to Evidence Based Aesthetics, where science meets clinical skincare. Today's clinicians are bombarded with sales tactics and marketing hype aimed at selling a cosmetic product, device, or service, often with little to no scientific research to back it up. Master aesthetician instructor Kristen Group and Dr. Larry Group use peer reviewed research to investigate and discuss the latest trends, equipment, procedures, and products in medical aesthetics while poking fun at extravagant claims, as well as each other. Evidence Based Aesthetics is produced monthly and supplemented by a Facebook group and Instagram. Viewers and listeners are actively encouraged to submit questions and topics for discussion. And now your hosts, Kristen and Dr. Larry Group.
1: Okay, we're back. Um, Beauty malls, that seems to be somewhat, I guess, somewhat recent phenomenon. What what I mean by that is it tends to be, uh, they'll advertise that you can buy like one rent, one room with a bunch of other practitioners um, in one area. And, you know, some of the cool things that they advertise is they have, um, um, Wi-Fi. Basically, it's turnkey. It's yeah. basically turnkey. You have a receptionist, you have Wi-Fi, you have laundry you have internet, you have all those things. <clears throat> and they they advertise also that you can get referrals from your fellow clinician. What is your experience really, knowledge of beauty malls? the goods and bads of that?
2: Um, well, the good thing is it's turnkey. You usually run a room, it's like 12 by 12 and it's got a sink in it. It's got everything in it. You just have to move your furniture in and you're ready to go. So it's super, super simple. Um, and and I think that's probably the biggest advantage to it. And also they have a lot of newer businesses, like when you go to rent a lease or you go to lease a space, you have to have sometimes a business that's been in business for a couple of years oh, with-
1: So the- you're saying you don't have enough business time to get a lease. So this is pretty much your only choice or one of your only choices yeah. is to go with one of these because the requirements to get the room, maybe not as stringent, as yes. say, uh, getting a lease for you know in a yeah, strip sure. mall or a building guess, or something like that. Yeah, like, like what that. we're
2: in is that we had a lot more requirements that we had to, and personal guarantees that we had to do in order to rent or lease our space. Right. So it's it's an easier entry. It's also sometimes an easier exit um simply because you can do like a six month lease so you can do a year lease you can do a short-term lease if you're going to go into a building you're probably going to be locked in for a minimum of four years and above right um but when you're in one of these beauty malls you're going to have uh, shorter leases you know they sometimes will do month to month so depending on what you want to do. It may be your easiest point of entry to go into one of these beauty malls and then move that business into a lease space because the problem with a beauty mall is it's really expensive. So
1: when you mean that, what's expensive? What are you talking about price per square foot compared to your own place? Yeah.
2: Like, okay. like when you can rent, you know, 2,500 square feet for $2,500 a month, or you can rent, you know, what 144 square feet for $1,200 a month. Yeah, it's, that's it's, significant. It's, 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 it's huge. Three times as much. Yeah. yeah. But again, it's the easiest point of entry into um, into opening up your own med spot. But the problem is, is you've got one room. Um, so if you do have a medical director, you got to think, where is the medical director going to sit? Do I have to rent two rooms? Because she's probably not, or he's not going to be in the room while you're doing the procedures. Um, so where are I mean, they going to I stay mean,
1: in that particular case, I guess there's couches and things. Well, they out could there. sit out there. and It's
2: kind of weird, but they <laughs> but could. But it's a
1: little strange. But it could be done. Yeah. And there might be a time that maybe a beauty mall has a medical director that's available for that beauty mall. I don't know.
2: Yeah, and then you have you know competition. That's the so other piece, isn't it? If, if you are the only person offering laser services, then you know, great. But you're probably not going to be. So you're going to. you know what they're going to say is, well, you're going to get referral from all these other people. Well, all these other people, if they're Um, cosmetologists or if they're a lash artist or something like that probably already have who they're gonna refer to Um, and it might be your competition but one of the interesting things I just had a student who um, opened up a space in a beauty mall and there was a naturopathic doctor also in this beauty mall and and she was hoping she would be her medical director and instead the the naturopath said well I'm gonna do these procedures now too and then went out and bought actually was for microneedling, bought a device I'm like, okay, first, first of all, she's not going to be your medical director. Secondly, she's not your competition. Yeah. Um, so you're going to be, probably have more competition in a smaller area. You're also not going to have the, the type of foot traffic. You're going to have foot traffic for the whole beauty mall, but there's never been one time in my life that I have browsed a beauty mall looking for a practitioner. I may have gone in there looking at the space, but I've never gone, hmm, I wonder if there's somebody in there that's right for me, and then walked through all of the rooms, because they're usually in the room, they're working, their door's closed, Um, so, you know, you've got those issues, and again, we're not pro-beauty mall or pro-lease, we're just trying to give you the information so you can make an informed decision.
1: So you mentioned earlier that one of the alternatives to a butamol was sort of rent an operatory from a practice that doesn't do aesthetics. This is in lieu of say getting Mm -hmm. your own place. Yes. How would that work?
2: Um, Well, actually this is actually very common. And I think this is also a pretty good opportunity is you rent a room from a doctor. Let's say there's a plastic surgeon or there's a dermatologist and they've got extra space because they overbuilt or they just never grew into the amount of space that they, first had and you can rent a room from them, the nice thing about that is if you rent a room from, um, let's say, a doctor, then you would probably be negotiating that they would be your medical director for these procedures also, and they're on site now. Um, so renting a room is is a good idea, but then also know that that doctor is probably going to be in your business a little bit more. I mean, when we moved from our first location to where we are now, um, it was really difficult finding this location because we had to have something that housed a med spa, a school, uh, a studio, uh, a warehouse, a whole bunch of entities. So we were looking for like five things in one and it was really hard to find. Um, and I had told Larry, was like, gee whiz, I think I'm going to end up at a doctor's office. And he's like, it's not going to work because you and the doctor are going to argue because you're going to think you know everything and he's going to think that they know everything. And it's probably, it's he's right. It is absolutely true. And so it's probably not going well, to work out. You've been out. doing
1: this, these procedures for <laughs> so long that I don't really think, I mean, yeah, you have your own medical director, but you've worked together for so long that
2: she's my oldest adult relationship as I call That's her. Right. We've, we've been together for over 14 years. Um, and I've been doing this for 16 years. So that situation for me would not be great, but for somebody just starting out, it may be really good because then they can also learn the more medical side of it from the doctor that they're renting from. So again, if you're going to be though renting from a doctor, those documents of rent and what's included and what's not included need to be Very actually specific, specific yeah. and it needs to be in writing. It's, this is not a handshake thing. Because you don't want to walk in one day and find out you've been locked out and all your gears in that room. You need a
1: rental agreement that specifies what services are being performed and specify what, if there is medical director service, that's a whole separate agreement. Do not put them in the same agreement.
2: No, because if you want to rent from them, but you don't want to use them as a medical director, you're not going to be able to get out of that. So have two separate agreements, one for the medical directorship. And one for the rent is a smart idea. Right. And again,
1: I mean, I know we keep saying this, but this is one of those times you don't want to scrimp and not go see an attorney about uh, something like this. The, the downside of having it go wrong is pretty, pretty down. So you want to spend a little bit of money and say, hey, uh, you know, does this look like it's going to hold up if I need to enforce it?
2: Yeah, it's 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 truly. I mean, prenups for marriages are not easy to get through. Right, um, it's it's basically saying that we're going to break up someday. But you know, the reality is fifty percent of the marriages end in divorce. So it but has many
1: to- more of these things change as well. We've seen. I can't even tell you how much swirl we've seen in this area where people. It's almost incestuous who's going where within a couple of months so it does happen is on our point and just be prepared for it if you have a conversation and put in writing ahead of time it actually takes the stress out of it mm-hmm. a little bit um, now let's talk about um just traditional leasing if you will you're going to want to do your research now again this isn't a course on, on renting but you want to look at least what the dollars per square foot is what the TI or tenant improvements is, which means how much money is it going to take to get the facility the way it is to the way you want it to be? And of that, how much is the landlord willing to pay of that? You need to look at your triple net services. What that means is there's extra fees for the garbage, the common area maintenance, things like that. Um, Increases
2: in your lease area.
1: Yes, your your lease increase, if you will, um, the parking, um, in many cases, you have to look at your lease term. There are specific uses, which means that this in the lease, it says you cannot use it for this thing. You want to make sure that the lease that, they, that the landlord has, because remember, in many cases, if you're going to go, uh, you know, you're going to go use an agent, which I think is a good idea. Uh, but the agent doesn't necessarily know what the specific use terms are of that building, so he just he or she just shows you know potential renters to that place. you say well i'm going to do I'm going to do a medical service and I'm going to do lasers. It might be something that the landlord has an objection to, mm-hmm. so you need to know what the specific use is. Obviously, you need to know what the term of the lease is. Um, you're going to have to figure out your credit because they're going to be asking for that.
2: Well, they also want personal guarantees. That's right. You
1: got a personal guarantee. That's not unusual. We had to do one.
2: We had to do one. And what's was funny is um, the first lease that we got on on this space was like a 40 page lease. It was ridiculous. And we bent back and said, um, We're not signing this. This is a 40 page lease. It needs to be smaller. And then they came back with a much more.
1: It was like five pages. Yeah, smaller,
2: more readable. Because, I mean, 40, 40 pages, there's a lot of crap in there that you're never going to get out of. Yeah. Um, so, and then you also need to know at the end of that lease, what are your options? Are your options, you know, because first you're re- right
1: to re up the lease. Exactly. And what is pages? your rate
2: going to go to? And what is the market going to be doing? Because when we've had our first office our first med spa the rates were actually lower because the economy was down as we got close to the end of the term the economy picked back up and the landlord wanted to raise the price astronomically which that's when we moved into a new location we moved our yeah, we actually
1: <laughs> spent less money to this have more room too yeah um, and we, we have, uh, parking is something we have to consider. We have decent parking here. And signage was a weird one. In our lease, it says we're not supposed to have signs, but our next door neighbor in this in this complex has like 9,000 signs. So uh, obviously they're not enforcing that. Now, yeah. in this particular case, which is odd again, Chris doesn't want to advertise, but most of the time when we're talking about a med spa, you'd you want, want to, to have, have signage. So you have advertise. to have that conversation. This is your time to negotiate for things like tenant improvements, okay? So this is the time you're going to want to have the conversations about all these things. Don't like think to yourself, well, I'll deal with this later. It needs to be in the lease
2: or it didn't happen. Exactly. And one of the things that you have as a bargaining chip is if you want more TIs, then you may have to increase the length of the lease. Right. Or
1: pay more per yeah. square foot.
2: Or like here, we had to put in a bathroom. That was one of the requirements. We had to put for them to be able to take and make our studio and give us the proper air conditioning for it. We had to agree to put in a bathroom. Um, we needed one anyway, but still, but still, that was one of the things and we had to pay for it. And when we leave this building, um, then we leave it in better shape than when we found it. Yeah.
1: This was just a straight warehouse and probably one of the ugliest buildings I've seen. And it's now pretty darn nice, but yeah. And you know, that's the thing, keep that in mind when you're getting ready. I've seen people affect two of the places that went out of business recently, probably put, I don't know, two, $300,000 of glass and beautiful floorings and, and things. It's beautiful, but you got to keep in mind, you got to pay for that stuff. If, if you're, if you don't have a steady business, um, it's very difficult to get out from underneath that overhead. So keep that in mind. And I've seen some really beautiful places go under. Um, it doesn't, obviously it has to be clean and it has to be nice, but it doesn't necessarily have to be super expensive.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, last thing is, is I think just like I keep saying is, is you want to consider running the lease by an attorney. I, I, I keep saying that, but every time that we haven't done something like that, or we know of people who haven't done it, it's come back to buy them.
2: Yeah. And, and basically once you sign it, you've agreed to it. Yeah. And, and if it's and we've gotten this, I mean, even in business dealings with other companies that we didn't read the contract or the agreement well enough. Um, and we, then we had to honor that. it it ended up biting us in the rear end. And I mean, so, I mean, we've made the same mistakes of not really taking a good look at the agreement. And, and so I would highly recommend you having somebody that is your attorney, not the building's attorney, um, take a look at it. Yeah.
1: Someone that represents you. Definitely. Yeah. Don't just get someone to, Oh, we'll use the same attorney. No, that doesn't work. No. Um, you know, we just got into a bunch of issues here. We talked about, do you think, you know, is it time to hire a consultant? You're a consultant Chris. So I know there's, you know, I know because obviously you're, you're in favor of being consultant, but I've also seen you talk people out of using a consultant. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of careful consideration and usually the number one thing I think is, is what kind of experience does a consultant have? What is your experience with being one and having used consultants? Oh,
2: one of the interesting things that I always think of is there's this old joke of teachers, who can't do teach right those who can't do teach yes right sometimes those who can't do consult um, so you really have to look at have they actually opened up their own place because when we first opened up our place and I will admit it I, I mean there were so many things that I didn't know I was supposed to do a lot of it had to do with the actual lease and a lot of things had to do with the insurance that I needed and then also the business entities that I had to put into place that I had no, all of that stuff. I'm like, holy cow, you mean I got to sign up with this state and this, this city and this city, this is ridiculous. Um, So you really have to look at at the consultant and what is their track record? Have they actually opened up their own space? I mean, I give a lot of um, uh, information out and, and I look at, you know, one of the reasons in our school, anybody that's an instructor for me, including myself, has to be currently working in the industry and that's so they can keep their finger on the pulse of the industry and they know what new things are coming on. Uh, A lot of consultants charge a lot of money, but they've never actually owned a med spa nor have they opened a med spa or fired a laser or fired a laser, but somehow they're an expert in being a consultant. I don't understand that. Um, see that in that
1: case is i think those people become advisors so you go to them for like one or two things like a specific I know a, a particular dermatologist whose husband's an accountant and he's also considered himself the practice manager and be based on the view of the fact that he's an accountant and has uh, a MBA. He somehow has been running this practice, but then you went in there and had to fix so many different things. So the point is, is someone could have a very good experience at one thing, but if they haven't actually have done this exact job, which is. Open a med spa and work with patients. It's difficult to know the experience of others and the challenges of those who do who do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what's how important is it to be a clinician and do this as opposed as a consultant? I, I you know I know there's a lot of consultants that are, are that aren't clinicians. I think that. Um, for me, I think that's one of the, the biggest things I would look for is, is do they actually do the work besides own it? Because there's a lot of owners, but not necessarily all owners are are clinicians.
2: Yeah. Well, one thing nice about being a clinician and the owner is if I have an employee who calls out, I can step in. Um, and that works for both my training and my procedures. So I, we only do procedures here, honestly, that I can do. Um, I don't do any injectables anymore. I outsource that to a wonderful injector. Um, I don't do that because it wasn't making any money on it. And also if my injector called off, I couldn't inject somebody's
1: now, real quick, The reason why it wasn't making money is because if you had been the injector, I would it money. probably would have been profitable. But when but, you're not the injector, I mean, you have to pay, you know, hour again and the fees for these things, it's, and then a really it's good not injector. that, not, yeah. And a really good injector, then it tends to be a lot less profitable.
2: Yeah. And now it may still be beneficial to have a loss leader in there to bring people in people for other procedures right. or to keep them there. But for me, it wasn't something that I made money on. So I, I didn't do that. Um, or I stopped doing, I should say. So being a clinician and being the owner is incredibly valuable because I know everything that's going on in the room. I also know if somebody that's one of my employees isn't doing something, they should be in the room. Um, plus you could go in and fill in if you really had to. Well, exactly. So it's, I think it's beneficial. If you don't have somebody who's a clinician, like I said, with a consultant, a lot of the consultants aren't. You know, they've never been a clinician in their life. I, I don't know how they're going to consult me and tell me how to use a laser if they've never used one. But and maybe it matters they can.
1: because even just the the treatment thing impacts the running the business. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it comes to like fees, we've seen some fee structures of uh, flat fees, hourly. Um, how do you, you know, what do you think is the best way to go or is there a best way or, or any, any words of wisdoms of, you know, limit hours or what are your, what are your thoughts on well, that? Well, you
2: know, the problem with an hourly is they're going to try to get as many hours in. I mean, it's, it's basically you're looking at attorneys charged by 15 minutes. If you talk for five minutes, you get charged for 15 minutes. If you talk for 16 minutes, you get charged for 30 minutes. Um, and sometimes, you know, if you look at somebody getting divorced and they can never agree. And I think sometimes it's the attorneys want to keep going because that is an income source. So, so it's same
1: with consulting, the same that.
2: thing with consulting. So if you're looking at a flat fee to get you from point A to point B and how much is that worth? then you also need to structure into it. How many hours is that going to get you?
1: That's the opposite side of this is in in many cases with an hourly fee, you can kind of control that (coughs) for this hour. I need, you need to be working on my stuff when you do a flat fee and you need something right away in many cases uh, that consultant could be busy and basically not obligated to take your call right then. So I don't think there's a good way or bad way. I think it comes down to the consultant. Mm -hmm. There are good consultants that do flat fees and there are good consultants that do hourly. I think that if you are going to do hourly, though, that consider that if you know how much they charge per hour, you might want to say to them, well, I, I, we'll fine, we'll do the hourly thing, but I can only afford to have you work 10 hours a month. And I need you to prioritize to do the most important things for those 10 hours, whatever your budget is. If you give them an unlimited budget, they will spend they
2: it. They will spend it. <laughs> and also you need to have um, milestones put into place. Right. Uh, that they have to hit on a certain time structure. We've used consultants for other things of our business and had our ass handed to us by them not having any time. It's like, well, we'll get to that in two weeks. And it's like, dude, I needed it two weeks ago, not in four weeks. So it's it's one of those things that if you're going to go this route, you truly need to have milestones put into place that that consultant has to hit in a time frame that they have to hit it within.
1: Now, one of the things that's sort of controversial is is that does this consultant represent a particular uh, equipment manufacturer uh, or a product line or something like that, that can be good or bad what's I'm saying to me the bad part about it is if they don't disclose that. Because there's many, you know, in many. It may be that they have a fantastic consultant who also happens to recommend a particular product line. As long as the person knows that they're getting paid to do that, it doesn't mean the advice is bad. You just have to keep that in mind. So as long as there's honest discussion about the fact, like in your particular case, you actually represent several different products, mm-hmm. and you're pretty open about that. But I've also seen you recommend products that you don't even have because that's the best the product for the practice. <laughs> so what it really comes down to is as long as as the advice being given is best for. The person getting the advice, it doesn't really matter the background, but you do have to keep those things in mind,
2: yeah, and also know that if somebody's recommending one particular brand, they're probably going to kick back of course they're they're getting a fee because it is their time, and they're going to i mean for recommending a a device, so you really want to know just upfront what are you dealing with and who are they dealing with, and who is their companies that they're working with on the backside of it.
1: So in your particular case, you do have a product line you represent, but again, you, you'll actually, if that, if there's something that they need that's not within that product line or a better fit for them, Mm -hmm. then it's time to have that discussion. Yeah. Okay. Do you think, I mean, basically if we use a consultant, you can basically save some money and time if with the right consultant, because if you, Overspend on the wrong equipment without that—that could be a you know 400000 hundred thousand dollar mistake. Mm-hmm. So in some cases, um, it's nice to have um, some advice from people who like yourself who say, "Hey, you don't want to start with this particular type of machine. Uh, let's 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 use like a tattoo laser for example. If they're not going to do a lot of tattoo removal, but it sounds like a cool thing they wanted to try, uh, because of the price of that laser, that might be something you tell them to wait on and focus on something that's more popular like." Uh, permanent hair reduction because that's still the number one procedure. Right?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I was talking to somebody a couple of years ago about, and they were looking at buying a platform device. Um, and one of the hand pieces they wanted on the platform was a 1064 ND YAG. Um, and its spot size was basically for vessels and couldn't do hair reduction, but they didn't want to do vessels. And I'm like, okay, so you're going to spend $60,000 on a handpiece that you might have one person a year. So let's do the math on that, and are you actually going to make money or are you going to lose money? And you know the problem that you have is when you're getting started in this, it's all exciting, shiny, new, super fun, um, sounds like a great time. And then when it comes down to reality that this is a piece of equipment that has to bring a profit and has to have a return on your investment, those are, you know if you ask for the laser manufacturer what's your ROI on it, they're probably gonna give you an inflated number that you're gonna pay this thing off in two months. Um, you really need to look at are you going to be able to pay for this machine and i was talking to a friend so one of the businesses that went out of business recently and it's only been six months and i said you know they had all kinds of instagram posts beforehand that they're at this great hotel in california they're drinking champagne and they we're coming up with all of our ideas for what we're going to do and it's like dude this thing's going out of business before it even starts because if you spend so much time and money on the having fun to talk about the business, you're probably not going to be spending enough money. I mean, I'd rather save my money and and stay at home and have a glass of wine and have a profitable business than to spend all of it on the conception of the business, but not the real meat and bones.
1: Yeah. I had a partner who opened a practice in Gilbert and his, uh, he let his wife do the decorating and figuring out like the business cards and the, and the stationery and things like that. And that practice went out of business in about eight months from just the overspending of oh know. it's
2: the ti's and the spending on and getting everything in there is is astronomical i've got a friend who's doing it right now and it's like the ti's are one hundred and eighty thousand dollars. i i'm like how much money do you have to make obviously more than one hundred and eighty thousand, hundred and eighty thousand and that's just for the ti's that doesn't include anything else and like you're one getting ripped off two you're not going to be able to afford it three you're in a great location right now why are you doing this
1: you know in my opinion and i've worked with consultants on my own one of the hallmarks of a good consultant is when they tried to rein me in from spending mm-hmm. as opposed to getting me to spend. Um, and that, and that's that, that you do get excited to get sort of, uh, you know, you want to have everything to offer in many cases, you need to make sure you segment to what you're doing and grow before you start adding those things. So, I and mean, basically with the right consultant, you can save a lot of time and money. And with the wrong one, you could lose you're probably a lot of to, yeah. time and money. But, and,
2: and I've had clients where I told them, it's like, listen, um, I know you're in, like you don't want to hear this but the truth of the matter is if you want to buy another piece of equipment you have to run it by me first and i get to say whether you do or not i'm i would rather have somebody start smaller and then use the profits to start buying down the next purchase instead of buying a million dollars worth of equipment and then losing your ear end eight months later it's much easier to take something that's profitable and then grow into more profit so if you're, if you're just talking, if you're, if you're using the salesperson as your consultant, you're probably, yeah, that's,
1: that's a huge mistake in my opinion, yeah,
2: you're not, you're probably not going to make the best choices because again, it's shiny, it's new. If you've got good credit, they're going to take advantage of it. Um, and, and they're going to have you overbuy, and then you've got, you know, $20,000 nut to cover every month. And basically you're looking at five grand a week. And then you see how many people are on your books, and you start getting stressed out, and then you make more poor decisions. Yeah. So the planning portion is, is is truly the most important part of this. And if you need help with it, because this is kind of an uncharted area still, even though we've been doing it for a while, you should reach out for some help.
1: Yeah. So you know, let's you know we're going to do a in place break here. Uh, the advertisement is you. <laughs> we're basically going to talk a little bit about what you do for consulting. Uh, they get a hold of you at what? How do they get a hold of you if they want to um, talk? Aesthetic
2: Medical Incorporated. Um, phone number is right there. It's four eight zero six five six two five five one, and we can set up a time to just basically talk about a bug in front of my face. Um, talk about what you might need, and from there we'll just move on.
1: Okay. So is that going to cost anything to have an initial consult? With no,
2: you? no. The first half hour is free. Okay. Um. I don't charge for those opinions um once we decide if you're going to engage in working with me, then we work out what the budget is okay. um how much time, how involved am I going to be um is it where you already have a practice? I mean sometimes the practice is already in place, and all I'm doing is going in and working with the staff to make them more profitable and, and I- show them how to make more revenue.
1: I've also seen you, you kind of advise on what equipment to buy because you do have really good relationships with a lot of, besides your own line of stuff that you represent, with other lines. Yeah. And in many cases, I've seen you negotiate better terms and better pricing, even if it wasn't your piece of equipment.
2: Well, yeah. And there's different things that we'll talk about a different day called recertification fees that laser companies like to put in. And so um, I just worked with a company to basically have those research fees um, after they went out of business removed off of their device so they can try to sell it um so i mean it's unfortunate they're not in business anymore so now we have to figure out how to unload everything um which is something actually i work with
1: too yeah i've <laughs> seen you help people get out of <laughs>
2: it like, how, how, how do we get too. out of this bad situation well gee whiz we're gonna to have to sell everything where are you gonna sell it um so i work on you know not just getting businesses up and started but also doing profitability and revenue enhancement for that business, but also if the business doesn't thrive and it goes out of business, then what do we do? So
1: now you represent a line of lasers, is that right? Yes. What line are you representing right now? Many creations. Okay, and where is that located out of Las like, Vegas. Okay. And those are made in US made in, in in Vegas? Yes. Cool. Um, and that's a full line of everything that you could possibly want or most everything, most everything. And then you also, obviously you're the CEO of skin stylist. So we know that you run that. That's a microneedling device, right? Yes. Um, anything else that you're, you're you can get them? Can you get access to used equipment if
2: you need it? Absolutely. To
1: okay, and you could help them probably figure out what what to do with their used equipment. I can as get well.
2: trainers. I can get service uh, for most machines. There are a few machines out there that's hard to get service on. Okay. Um, but with our our staff that we use for training, we can train on pretty much every machine, and we that's a it, it, there's you know, when you look at pre-owned, the bad thing about pre-owned isn't that it's pre-owned, it's can you get service and can you get training? Right. Um, And can you get a warranty if you want? Now that you're
1: able to do that with your, with many creations is that you guys can actually warranty other people's used equipment. Yes. Is that right? Yes. And you also take that stuff on trade as well. Yes. Okay, so that's a good thing. Yeah. Now I would say, you know, having been in this business for a little bit, uh the used laser market is is very similar to the used car market, the same kinds of people. There's good people
2: and there's bad people.
1: (laughs) So you gotta be really careful with that. What sometimes seems like a really good deal. What Chris is saying is is that if you can't get service or parts, and I don't mean to because they're available, in many cases, a lot of these manufacturers because they want to depress and stop the used market, if you didn't buy them new from them, they will them. not sell you either parts so you need uh tips or consumables they will not sell you a warranty or they may make you do something called recertification fee which is okay we'll let we'll let the new person have this but this new person's going to have to pay thirty forty thousand dollars for us to recertify it which basically means an inspection that's probably worth two thousand dollars yes now, you guys do do inspections of equipment but yes. you don't do recertification fees. No. is that right And my understanding is that you guys have the ability to do a five-year warranty on your guys' equipment. Is that right?
2: Depending on if they're buying a bundle, so they buy three devices, then yes, they can get a five-year warranty.
1: Fantastic. So they can get a hold of you, again, at 480-656-2551, and that's Aesthetic Medical, Inc. Yes. Okay. We are going to take a break from this commercial, and we're going to come back to some more content here.
0: Evidence-Based Aesthetics is brought to you by Aesthetic Medical, Inc. Bringing you MetaCreations, a revolutionary line of cosmetic lasers manufactured in the USA. Take a tour of the factory, meet with industry experts and clinicians, then catch a show or enjoy a nightlife in Vegas, and let the MetaCreations pick up the travel tab. A second showroom is in beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona. Call Aesthetic Medical today at 480-430-7795. Okay, we're
1: back. we're going to talk a little bit about before you get to purchase equipment. Again, this is me slapping your head saying it's not time to buy yet. I always say stop, drop and roll, which <laughs> means there's a three important things. They're not really stop, drop and roll. What are the three important things for equipment?
2: See, I like to say, slow your roll, slow you roll. Yeah. <laughs> it's safe, uh, safe effective, effective, and, and profitable in that order. Right now. Why is it important to be in that order? Um, okay. So the first thing is safe. It has to be safe. And safe reason, to it has to be safe, safe to you or safe to the patient? Both. Okay. So especially safe to the patient because I'm not going to sue myself. Okay. So it has to be a safe device. If it isn't a safe device and there's lots of devices out there, there's, I mean, people call me up asking about certain lasers. I know most of them, but once in a while, I'm like, I don't know what that one is um, because it's not coming through the normal channel uh, right. distribution. So I don't really know what it is. Um, but if it isn't safe, you shouldn't be doing it. What kind of things make a laser unsafe? Um, cooling systems, if it's not an adequate cooling system. So if you if you have a laser that doesn't have either contact cooling or cryogen um, or some other type of cooling system like a Zimmer, then you need to have one because that's one of the safest things you can do is to cool the epidermis while you're pushing the energy down into the dermis.
1: So they're able to actually sell these lasers without efficient Absolutely. cooling? Now, what or these- they
2: say that they're cooled, but it's actually just... Water and I've had to actually somebody brought me in a device in IPL and I'd have to put the device on a table And then I'd have to hold the handpiece down to the ground to get the flow down to The handpiece and then even that it wasn't very cold And so for me one of the biggest things is the cooling system on the device and if it doesn't have a cooling system That's still okay. You just need to know that you need to buy an additional product to apply outside external cooling,
1: which is an extra expense and kind of a yes. hassle. And, and, and it seems like the technology that you're selling and that you've been familiar with and that you own tend to have good cooling systems.
2: It's one of the first things I look for.
1: Okay. So would you advise that to be one of the first things Absolutely. they look for as it's, well? it's
2: gotta be, yeah. And okay. it's gotta be safe. And then it has to be effective. So if you're trying to grow your business, you have to be effective because if you don't, you're not going to get referrals and you're not going to get repeat business so you have how do you to know if
1: it. something's effective because every 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 salesperson i've ever worked with brings me a study from something brings you says, the white says you know yeah and it's going to be like you know this there's their <laughs> stretch marks went from you can go from zero to hero in one treatment and it never seems like what they say is actually true how do yeah. you know
2: well you know one if people like to depend on before and afters okay. um, unfortunately you see before and afters that have obviously been doctored or the angles wrong or the lighting wrong. is so bad on uh, or you'll see yeah. somebody who you know is talking about um you know reducing the fat submental and you'll see the first picture where it's all this fat and the person's like this and then the next picture they're like stretching they're it their out, neck out yeah. i mean if i could just do that right now you see or one's sort of smiling and then the next picture they're really like, smiling yeah so it's pictures are really difficult would Um,
1: would you buy a laser based on before and after absolutely not because what's a better way to get information on whether or not this particular technology works and then if that brand of technology works
2: well there's different things that you can look at there's um you can go and try to look at some of the white papers that are done by outside sources how would you find that pubmed what's an
1: easier way than pubmed about
2: RealSelf.com? or how about google scholar you type in
1: scholar into google What pops up is something that says Google Scholar. It looks like it has a little little pointy hat, right? And then what happens is whatever, say I want to put in a laser hair reduction, efficacy and safety. What's going to pop up is actually peer reviewed research, not somebody's web blog. So that's a free way to get some of these, at least abstracts. PubMed is a paid version of Google Scholar, but that's a great way to get it. And that's my advice is to first look at the technology before you look at the brand. Hey, does laser hair reduction actually work? Now we can probably say with, pretty good certainty that it does. Um, Same with photo facials. But there are some newer technologies out there that haven't proven to be safe or effective. Um, I'm gonna pick on one. It's like the Plasmi Fibro Super Duper Torch Pen. Uh, My issue with that is, is that the way that it's being marketed, whether that's a good piece of equipment or a bad piece of equipment, it's too new to know. But having people say this is approved for estheticians when estheticians can't use ablative devices, or gives great results when all they have is some before and after pictures from Korea or somewhere, and and they're pushing this device and making you know have people pay seven eight thousand dollars for something that just came onto the market. My advice is usually go with Wait. technology that's been sort of tried and true. Let someone else make mistakes with brand spanking new technology. It doesn't have to be more than say. I don't know a year with some research behind it. But what you're going to see is that people that adopt really early tend to be the ones that get burned by the technology.
2: Yeah. Cause I mean, a lot of times people want to go into, they'll see a magazine um, and then they'll say, well, you know, look at this article as an op-ed on this device or this procedure. And then you see an ad for it right next to it. If you see an article in a magazine, whether it's an aesthetic magazine or not, and you see an, an ad for it, that article was bought. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, There's so a, much of that. It's not a real Or, or if, it's,
1: if it's in Vogue magazine or if it's on the doctors, all these things are paid for placement, guys. Yes. It doesn't mean that it's completely bogus, but it doesn't have the same weight that peer reviewed research. What that means is that peer reviewed research means that some investigators who don't have a financial interest tested out the piece of equipment, wrote it up, submitted it to a panel of of doctors and professionals who read it and say, yep, that looks like they did the science right and then published it in a journal for just things that have that as opposed to someone who puts it on their web blog. um, Or a beauty influencer that I mean, I know that the, the, the age of influencers are everywhere and I'm not anti influencer trust me, but I will say that that's not an influence having Mr T sell you something or having uh the kardashians sell you something doesn't necessarily mean that that's a good or bad product it does it just means they're they're getting paid to talk about it
2: well not only that is i mean hair reduction works i mean sure it's been around for a long time but if you have blonde hair hair reduction isn't going to work on you. or red hair yeah yeah or red hair so or gray hair so you have to understand that even though it might work for one person it might not work for the majority of people so you really have to like i said to see if something's effective um, I've also gone on RealSelf.com. Um, it's a little bit biased or a lot of it biased, but basically you get a thumbs up if it's worth it. These are from people that are doing the procedure or a thumbs down if it's not worth it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think RealSelf, the good part about it is, is, it tends to have a lot of people weighing in, but keep in mind uh, the, people that, the, the, the people that are responding to that are paying to be able to be able to respond mm-hmm. to that. And they tend to be the people that are offering the services. So I'm not saying it's a bad or good thing. Um, another place you could look at would be the FDA. They have something called the MAUD report, M-A-U-D-E. You type in FDA MAUD database. And what happens is if there's been a recall or something got injured by a particular device um, and reported, in many cases, the FDA will report that and, and as an information, say, hey, five people got burned with this. Or there's a case of a person's micropen leaking blood into it or something like that. Um, Let's take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to start beating up on laser salespeople. No, you're laser You Can't beat them up too bad, right?
0: (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Evidence-Based Aesthetics Podcast with your hosts, Kristen and Dr. Larry Group. For more discussion and information on all things aesthetic, be sure to join our Facebook group and follow us on our Instagram page. We look forward to sharing the next exciting episode of the Evidence-Based Aesthetics Podcast.